good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome to episode 238 of the Dave's I Know podcast, uh, our weekly uh, therapy session for all Adrian Heath content uh, in the in the Minnesota United verse. Uh, we have the regular crew, uh, as always this week. Uh, Jess, how are you doing? I am well. How are you? Oh, you know, I read some Heath yeah. quotes this weekend, so I normally I've been I spent the first five weeks of the year not reading Heath quotes that quotes after the game mm. so so your blood little... pressure's up yeah yeah definitely uh we also have MJ MJ how are you doing doing great busy busy broom ball weekend didn't really get to watch much soccer uh we made it to the semifinals uh two really good wins so that feels good awesome congrats yeah uh Our- just trying to catch up with everything soccer the last few days. Uh, apparently, there's shit that went down. There's a lot of it. Um, both uh, yeah, it here was like at a home. weird time warp. Yeah, here at home and then uh, uh, around the world too. So, all right, well, let's jump into it. Let's talk about. Let's get. Let's pull the bandaid, um, rip it off, and talk about this uh, Minnesota United Seattle Sounders game. Uh, ended two to one uh, to the Sounders. Um, it's there was a lot to talk about in this game. Let's talk a little bit about some some. So I highlighted a couple of, of particular things that happened. So we'll kind of go through the the timeline of the game quickly, and then I think we can talk more broadly about what actually happened. MJ, you did you? I know you had missed the game because the your your broom ball. Did you get a chance to watch the game? After no, I didn't or? get a chance to watch the full game. I got a chance to watch the highlights. Okay. And boy, and boy, do I have thoughts and feelings. Oh, well, you weren't there for 90 minutes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I know so Jess and I'm going to have, have... Fewer, fewer thoughts and feelings yeah. uh, than normal. But don't worry, listeners, they'll be just as stupid as always. Okay. Well, for the first uh, 10 to 15 minutes of the game, um, Minnesota was really controlling possession, um, breaking up the midfield of Seattle. Um, you know, they had some really great opportunities. Abu Dhabi uh, should have scored a goal in the 14th minute. Oh my God, that was... he had a shot that he's. I don't know. I don't know exactly how he did it, but he had a ball across from. I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was Lude who crossed the ball to him. Um, you know, across. You know, switched the pitch, if you will. Um, Dunlady chested it down. He took a swing at it, and I think what happened is that he like he hit the ball into the ground because it took a, yep. a wicked. It was hop. almost like a chip shot. And yeah. then like and it hit hits the crossbar. Um ugh. absolutely should have scored on that one. Uh a few minutes later, uh Robin Lude had another great a, a great opportunity that he hit it right at uh Stefan Fry. I, I forgot to write down the, the timing of that one. But both of those, um, oh actually you you made a note here. Trap was that pass to to, to Dunlady. So uh 
thanks for thanks for noting that mj it was um, a great pass and also a a great center towards the net run by luis amaria to drag yeah. defenders away from Denladi. so the whole thing was orchestrated just how we like to see the loons actually yeah. attack and it's it's like we had a, a really good game plan for the first 15 minutes and then uh brian schmetzer um decided to uh said enough it's of like this he shit. blew a dog whistle or something yeah enough of this shit uh we're gonna fix things and then <laughs> for for the next 70 minutes um seattle absolutely controlled this game uh it started in the 22nd minute of a seattle free kick uh that almost turned into a goal a, a, a great dane st Clair save um in the 27th minute same thing dane st Clair forced to make a really great save on the 22nd minute on the free kick i think lodero took the free kick and Dane made a great save, but not only did he make a save off the rebound, actually both Kalman and Lude facing the wrong way, if you will, but I mean, they're tracking the ball. So they want to know if it went in the net or not. I understand turning around, looking at the net, maybe in the future, only one does that, the other one stays facing forward, but they both are able to turn around, track the ball to the rebound. And when Jordan Morris is crashing the net, they both get their body and one gets a body, one gets a foot kind of up in Jordan Morris's right. He Jordan Morris can't get the clean hit he wants on that. And it, it was nice to see them defend really, really well in that moment. Yeah. But by this point, the pressure was on Minnesota. Uh, in the 38th minute, uh, <clears throat> um, Seattle scores uh, their first goal. Joel, Joel Paulo's first goal uh, for the Sounders this season. Um, just an absolutely uh, great ball from Ladero to Paulo. Um, no loons were around him. Will Trap was ball watching and just hits it, just absolutely uh, stonker uh, with his right foot into the back of the net. Uh, Dane St. Clair had had no shot at that. Yeah, there was with Coleman and Will Trap basically standing around. So that was not great. Just before halftime too, um, which makes it even worse. Um, but yeah, that's uh, was the game. Seattle one, Minnesota zero. I'm going to lay down some MJ math. Four Sounders pass around six loons. That shouldn't happen. And to break it down, when you have two central midfielders, maybe one's more attacking, maybe one's more defensive. If the other team has the ball, they shouldn't be both on the same side of the pitch. No. Rapp and Dotson were both on the ball side of the pitch, leaving the middle and the left side, everything in front of the D, wide open. So one of them, you know, the more attacking one, whoever that one was, they can be over there out of position fine. The other one, when the other team doesn't have a ball, needs to be on the weak side of things. And the rest of this broke down in a way that was so atrocious, I don't even know what Heath and Sean McCauley's defensive strategy is. DJ Taylor gets beat around the corner. That's fine. You get beat. You have contingency plans. Boxall's there. But... There's also Ladero wide open. Boxel makes a run at him kind of last minute. And then everyone else is turns around to watch the ball. And Paulo is wide open. Yes, one, because Dotson and Trap aren't there, but also they're surprised because their whole eyes and bodies are facing the ball. None of them are looking up the field to see where the person who has the ball could pass the ball. And this is a continual problem for Minnesota United defense. And I will point it out every single fucking time. 
Yeah, I'll also just point out um, in the 13th minute, uh, Denali did not have – he had that great shot on goal in the 14th minute. Um, he And that was pretty much the last of, of Dunlady's good contributions to this match. Um, in the 13th minute, I, I just wanted to highlight, if you go back and watch the game, uh, there's a, a Seattle Sounders sequence um, where basically Dunlady's supposed to be tracking back. There's about 45 seconds where Seattle's passing the ball around, and you don't even you don't see Dunlady, and they get a shot off. It goes uh, it goes wide, um, so nothing nothing happened of it. Dane St. Clair didn't have to make a save, but you can catch you catch the, the camera catches Will Trap just absolutely berating Dunlady for not tracking back at all, um, and it was just it was, and then he, of course then he goes and almost redeems himself um, by, by you know having a pretty good shot there that almost scores and should have opened up the scoring. But it was just, it, I mean, great on Will Trap for for being a leader like that and just and giving it to Dunlady. Um, we didn't even talk about, you know, the fact that Dunlady was starting on, on the left. Um, Fragapane obviously still hurt. Uh, Longwane um, had just gotten back from international duty, apparently, um, maybe on Thursday or, or Friday. He um, played so two I, games in a week. He only played one game, and he only played for 65 minutes. He didn't play in that first game. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he had visa issues. Remember, we talked about this last week. He had he had visa issues getting into France, um, or Belgium, one of the two. I think Belgium because I think they played the first game in Belgium and then they played France yeah. in France. So yeah, he only played sixty five minutes. Uh, he didn't play the first game at all. So um, I'm not one hundred percent sure why he couldn't go more than thirty minutes, but uh, neither here nor there. So let's berate Heath for playing players into the ground and not recognizing that when they're tired off international breaks, now he's resting someone and we're going to braid him for that. I'm not braiding him. I'm just saying it, it seems odd that of all the people that he had on, in his roster to play on the left-hand side, um, Nico Hansen, for example, um, sure. Hello. Adrian, Adrian Unu, um, that he decided to go with Abu Dhabi. We can talk about that in a little Justin bit. Let's, McMaster. Get, let's get through the second half because there's a lot of stuff happened in the second half. Um, so at halftime, Joseph Rosales come, Joseph Rosales comes on for uh, the aforementioned Abu Dhabi, and the Loons switch to a 4-3-3. Um, and it at, doesn't help. At least Heath recognized that they needed <laughs> help in the midfield. Um, if nothing else, he at least figured out that they needed help in the midfield and he did something about it. So like good on him. However, it was really, you know, almost all, all for not as, uh, in the 49th minute, um, Jordan Morris, uh, has a, uh, or I think it was, I think it was Ladero again with the great ball to Jordan Morris, who was running in. Um, he was trying to cross the ball to roll down, uh, but Brent Coleman was tracking back and he just, he stuck his foot out to uh, hopefully deflect it out or deflect it for a, a throw. And um, Dane St. Clair was diving the, the wrong way to, you know, pre- prevent Roldan from having a tap in and the ball just deflected off of Brent Coleman into um, Minnesota's goal uh, for an own goal. Honestly, you know, there's not much more, not much you can do there as a defender. Um, you're just, you're doing your best to try and prevent a cross um, your keeper is doing his best to try and prevent, you know, assuming that cross gets through and he put the ball in the, in literally the, the tiniest of places where he couldn't put it. So, um, can't really fault them for that. Other than the fact that, you know, again, Minnesota, um, not pressuring and allowing Seattle to counter it. When you have Jordan Morris rolled on, um, Albert Rusnak, uh, Joe Apollo, <laughs> this is, I don't even think, um, 
Ladero was or uh, um, Rui Diaz was on the pitch yet at this point. Like, um, or no, Rui Diaz, I think, just got on the pitch for for Ladero. When you have all those those amazing attacking players on the field, you can't allow, you can't give the give up the ball around you know the halfway line or even in inside your own half because teams will beat you that way. Good teams will beat you that way, and Seattle's a good team. So, the through ball was Kellen Rowe. Right, I, f- I forgot about Kellen fucking Rowe. That guy's good yeah. too. So another midfielder. And it looked like he was actually trying to angle the ball to someone else more central, but it took kind of a funny bounce and it, it hits Jordan Morris in stride. And because it's yeah. hitting him in stride and it looks like the loons are trying to play a kind of a high line and offside trap. Boxall is completely beat. And at yeah. this point, the rest of the loons defense, you can say everything that was supposed to happen up until this point, but until that kind of lucky bounce or intentional pass by Roe, whatever it was, off Jordan Morris, and he's just streaming down and beating Boxall. Everything happens correctly. I give Coleman a huge amount of awareness for running all the way over from the left side of the pitch to the right side of the pitch to just take away a lot of Jordan Morris's options. And then not only that, but Debassi is tracking with whoever's on Rui Diaz or whoever's running towards the weak side. And so we have good coverage, good numbers. This shouldn't have been a goal. Yeah, no, but, 100%. But, you, know, it, it, you know, obviously, Dane Sinclair was not expecting the deflection off of uh, Coleman, and it's just kind of unlucky. Yeah, no, you definitely can't put that one on, on St. Clair or, I mean, or Common to your point. Like, or yeah, really he was... on Common. I mean, yeah. I was hoping to see something that I could break Common for, but this is, Common did what he was supposed to do. He covered for Boxall. Yeah. And, you know, those happen occasionally with defenders. It's just the, the you know, the way it is. Uh, so, again, Seattle just controlling the game um, pretty much up until, um, we'll talk about the, you know, the 80th minute here or whatever, but in the 63rd minute, uh, Boggy comes in for DJ Taylor uh, and Kamar Lawrence comes in for Brent Coleman. That moves uh, uh, Debassi back to the, his more favored left center back position. Kamar Lawrence comes in as the left back. Uh, again, only got 30 minutes. Both Bongi and, and Kamar Lawrence looked pretty good um, for only having 30 minutes. Bongi c- clearly um, energized the team in a way, in yeah. ways. And wasn't really, we didn't really get, you know, we didn't get much fruition of it until the 81st minute. Um, but definitely the, the, especially the mood in, I don't know, in the Wonderwall where I was standing, uh, when Bongi came on and Kamar Lawrence came on, the mood certainly brightened. So after that goal in the 49th minute, everybody's kind of, um, everybody's kind of down. And, you know, while we were trying to get people singing, the rest of the stadium was not getting involved in the, uh, in the Wonderwall chance until, like I said, until Bongi and Kamar Lawrence came on. So. Well, uh, and the, the gameplay had a little light to it. Sure. There's only so much the Wonderwall can do when, when your team is set up uh, for failure. So, uh, right. Uh, all right. Ch- we can't chant away heat, apparently. Yeah. Uh, in the 81st minute, um, Lude and Rosales work on a give and go. Uh, Rosales drives into the box. There's a ball. Lude puts the ball to him. It, it's a, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know if he was going to get to that ball, but uh, uh, Regan, Reagan, the, um, the right center back, the, the guy that, Minnesota have been targeting all game just basically tackles Rosales and makes it an easy penalty for for Minnesota United yeah. um you know it was a it was a tough ball for for Rosales to get to 
and literally that guy had a, had a pretty piss poor game. He was, he almost gave up a, a goal in the later in the game. Um, but Minnesota wins the penalty. Reynoso steps up, takes it. Um, right, uh, wrong foots the keeper and puts it in the bottom right corner. So Minnesota's now down one to two in the 82nd minute. Uh, then basically Minnesota turns it on from here. Um, I believe nine of the 12 shots that Minnesota had were in the, from the 82nd minute on, um, uh, just an absolutely insane number of shots. They really, they really put, you know, got their asses into gear, uh, 86 minute Rosales and Lude have both have shots that are stopped by for Fry, uh, in the 88th minute. And, and those are both really great shots. Um, I mean, you know, Fry was having, not having a, a super great game, honestly, um, for one of the better keepers in, in, uh, in MLS, he was dropping a lot of stuff. Um, I liked watching him struggle. Yeah. In the 88th minute, um, uh, Kamar Lawrence, uh, you know, a pretty innocuous cross into the box. He's just on the left-hand side, uh, throws a ball into the box. Fry's going up to catch it. Um, and then makes contact with, uh, again, the aforementioned, uh, Reagan, the Seattle defender, the ball fumbles away. It falls literally to Amaria's right foot. Um, and he just shoots it wide, wide left. It was, it's just sitting on the wall watching it. You could, or standing on the wall watching it. You couldn't even believe that the ball had just fallen right to him and he just couldn't put it in the back of it. It was a complete reflex. Um, definitely no time to think about it. Um, it's just stabbed at the ball and he just couldn't put it in the back of the goal. It's honestly with the, the onslaught that Minnesota had for, from basically this time, on, you know, from the eight, from the penalty on uh, into the 95th uh, minute, the, the uh, five minutes of stoppage time, um, you felt like Minnesota was going to get, uh, an equalizer and probably deserved one um, in that, uh, from that yeah, time frame. With this ref, who, what's his name again? Cause like, I remember him not being good to us in the uh, past. Ismail Ifaf. Yeah. He's, we had, there was uh, seven yellow cards in this game uh, or eight yellow cards in this game, six for Minnesota, two for uh, the Sounders. It was kind of a, yeah. And, and Robin Lude got picked up a yellow early on in the game for what wasn't even a, he didn't even touch the guy, but he yeah. fell down. Um, it was, yeah, it, he was playing fast and loose with his, uh, with his yellow cards tonight. Tonka Kathy. Yeah. yeah. And, and MLSE. Yeah. MLSE. MLSE. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, this game felt like Minnesota deserve from the last, basically last 15 minutes of actual game time from like the 81st minute on, it felt like Minnesota deserved a point. However, you have to play 90 plus minutes. Um, and for the first 80 minutes, they definitely did not deserve a point from this game. So you have to weigh the, the good and the bad. Um, so let's, so let's, uh, let's air our, our feelings if we want, uh, who wants, who wants to start or should, or... How, about a, how about a, how about a prompt here? Um, Adrian, who knew yeah. the fuck's going on there? Yeah. Where is that guy? He's played seven minutes since uh, this season, and all seven Minnesotans were in the first game against Philadelphia at the very end. Okay. Another Minnesota United attacking player that shows promise, maybe not as much promise as we were, were hoping, but then can't get playing time to save his life. I mean, mm. it's unfortunate. Yeah, like he's definitely on the shit list. Jacob we Schneider, know about the Heat uh, doghouse, you know, players from before, you know, Thomas Chacon and Yeah, I think I think with Tom Chacon it was it was a ginger thing. Have you guys ever noticed we don't ever have any gingers? I hadn't noticed that. Hey, that's Jess Anon. Like it. I like it. 
I'm there trying. You go. Listen, uh, I feel that as much as I would like to make the Heath doghouse into a whole string of conspiracy theories that are related, I feel with everyone that we claim that has been in the Heath doghouse, there's kind of like rumors or reasons that we know exist. Uh, Raheem Edwards, the rumor was he was a bad locker room guy, and he complained a lot and argued a lot. You know, with Thomas Chacon, the rumor was like he wasn't showing this in training or was kind of struggling with the move to a new country at such a young age. These aren't all as much as I would like to say that, you know, someone's been, you know, messing around with Heath's wife or, you know, someone, you know, they haven't all been these single conspiracy theories of like going to no. Doros pizza parlors that I'd like them to be. I feel like each one's different. And at the same time, they all have this, no one is being transparent about this or even putting out a fake reason for this. No one is answering questions. Uh, Jacob Schneider tried to ask some questions of Heath after this last game and you kind of get the runaround. Well, and that's just his accent. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was just, I'm eternally frustrated like I said, I've been trying to avoid reading the quotes from him after the game because I just I don't need that uh, stress in my life. Um, and the uh, I had to read it because I because I you know I was talking chatting with someone um, via Twitter and, and asking about Longwane and uh, I was like why you know why didn't he just why did he fucking start on the left hand side like why what's up with that you know why uh, Delati. Um, and basically mm -hmm. they referred to me like, oh, Heath, you know, there's a Heath quote. And I was like, I don't really want to fucking read this Heath quote, but it's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And then basically he complained about international duty and all that. This is the guy who. Um, what a wanker. This is the guy who's like, he's very uh, positive on teams going out and playing for their international team. So you can't, you can't, you know, encourage players to do it and then complain about it when they go and do it um, and use it as an excuse for, uh, for your team. Um I don't, we don't know why Kervin Ariaga wasn't available. Um, he didn't, he was, uh, he I didn't play he in the come back in time. That's, that's what I heard too. But the, I was listening to some podcasts earlier today and basically like, we're like, no one, he, he, was, he was back, he was back in Minnesota, but no one was like, but I, I think, I can't remember where I heard it, but I feel like I saw something that he was working on getting his green card uh, in Honduras. So like he went, he didn't play in the last uh the last uh, honduras world cup qualifier because he had gotten he had picked up a second yellow um so i heard from i maybe i'm making i'm totally making this up but i'm pretty <laughs> sure i saw somewhere that he had, he had went to honduras to the you know to get to work on getting his green card so that he could you know not take up an international spot for minnesota um mm -hmm. and if that's the case I don't understand. He tried throwing him under the bus about him not getting back in time if, if that was the if that was the if that was the plan you know, to, for him to go do it, or if he decided to go do it on his own, I can't imagine he would just go do that on his own. He would talk to the team and say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm, I, I you know, so I, I guess I, I don't, I don't understand complaining about that stuff when it's something that you are encouraging players to do. Um, right. It just it, that rubs me the wrong way and, and, you know, sends a bad message. Um, since not even a bad, bad, just conflicting messages about do you want players to go play for their national teams or 
don't you? Well, if um, anything, he's known for his consistency. Right. Only in the bad ways. I would just say that you have a built-in excuse here of, you know, Rosales, you know, he, for whatever reason, was hung up in Honduras, green card or not. Ariaga. Or sorry, Ar Ariaga, Rosales played. My bad. And you have this built-in excuse of like, yeah, he just didn't get back in time. This sometimes happens. And you don't have to be a dick about it and be complaining about it. Just say, hey, this this happens. But again, I feel like with many PR things, whether it's Heath being the mouthpiece of this club or someone else from the front office, they haven't really gone to PR 101 class. Um, here's how you market or frame or reposition certain things so that they're more beneficial or put our club in a better light or, you know, you don't have to be a dick about this. You don't have to be sour about it. And I feel like Heath is often sour. I mean, yes, after a loss, but like sometimes he's bitter after a win too. Oh, that dude is bitter after lots of wins. Um, Maybe he has like issues. A Napoleon complex, you think? Um, I was just thinking the variety pack. I don't know. <laughs> the other, I guess the other thing too, that it just frustrates me to no end with his team is that just he absolutely got his tactics wrong um, from the start of this game. Now they were, mm -hmm. they were lucky. They were, they were unlucky to not be up one to nothing. I don't think that changes the state of this game at all. I think Seattle um, makes the adjustments and Seattle makes the adjustments on the fly. Like they did. They didn't need a halftime to adjust what they were doing. Right. To identify what, uh, where Minnesota's weaknesses were and to, and to get different personnel onto the field. They were able to, to take the personnel they had on the field uh, and make the adjustments on the fly and say, no, we need to do this. We need to be playing through the midfield. We need to overload the midfield. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's going to create space and opportunities. And we're going to pull players apart and that will give us the space for our playmakers to, to, to do their thing. Now, you know, you can argue Seattle has better playmakers than the Minnesota United. I think, you could, that's a valid argument that you could make. I don't think they're that much better than Minnesota's playmakers. They're not that much better than Robin Lude and Reynoso um, and Amaria. Like, you know, maybe it's, maybe they're slightly better. Maybe they're, you know, 15, 20% better, but Minnesota has some, it's not, we're not fucking, um, we're not, you know, Cincinnati or uh, fucking Charlotte over here. We don't have any, any good players on, you know, good attacking players on our team. We have attacking talent on this team. So, you know, I'm glad that he recognized that he had fucked up and he made some adjustments at halftime um, that seemed to help uh, the, the goal notwithstanding. I don't think that goal was was sort of indica indicative of um, Seattle having our shit figured out, but we clearly played better in the second half than we did in the first half. Now, yeah. I don't I don't agree with his quote that that they said that they were the better team in the second half outside of those, you know, those last 10 minutes of the, of the game or 15 minutes of the game with stoppage time. But, you know, it was pretty much, you know, that it was maybe it was maybe it was even by by the time the game had ended in terms of the second half. That doesn't make up for the fact that they just got absolutely outplayed for 30 minutes, 35 minutes of that first half. Um, and Seattle easily could have had two or three goals and Minnesota easily yeah. could have had one or two goals themselves. Right. So um, but basically, I, I know once 
that Seattle scored that first goal, it just it didn't really feel like Minnesota was winning this game. That was right, maybe the yeah. point, but it definitely did not feel like we were going to win that game. Listen, we talked earlier, David. You listed a bunch of the great attacking players for Seattle, and we'll all agree that you know Rusnak and Rui Diaz, et cetera, et cetera, Lodero, they're all really good. And I would also agree with you, David. They're not much better than our players, but what I would say is they connect and use their powers in tandem better than our attacking players. And not having seen the the game, I can't say this, but I would just say from the scoreline, their defense was better than our defense. And I think that's something that when I look at this game, even though that own goal, it's kind of unlucky. That's kind of shitty. In in general, the reason why we don't have the ball as much, the reason why we can't attack and use our attacking players as much is because of our defending. It's not just making sure they don't score goals, which is the number one thing, but it's also... Also making sure you don't score goals for them. Is, is it number, number, bullet point number two? It, I like that bullet point number two. I wasn't, that wasn't there. Um, <laughs> and bullet point number three is, you know, what style of game do you want to play against a Seattle? If you're going to just absorb pressure in your defensive third for 70 minutes of the game and try to counter, that is, you can make that a legit choice, make that a conscious choice. This is what we're going to do. But if instead, are you going to say, Hey, let's try to win some midfield battles. Let's try to limit their passing options in the midfield. And we're not really good at that. At least not against a team like Seattle. I think that's, yeah. I mean, I think that is the, um, that's the, the, the million dollar question is, I mean, I know we've talked about this in the past is that Minnesota doesn't shouldn't, change how they play their games against most teams um they should play their their style however you know whatever that is whether that's the 4231 um you know with a high line of engagement or, or you know counter you know pressing uh, counterattack whatever whatever it is um however and you normally shouldn't change up the style that you want to play. You should impose your style at home, especially. However, there are still a couple of teams in MLS um, where you maybe need to think a little bit more about how you are uh, intending to play um, and uh, therefore be flexible in how you maybe even you set up to start or, or knowing like, Hey, we're, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to start. We're going to play. Um, if these things happen, we need to, we're going to need to switch and we're going to need to, to switch up and, and try something else. I don't say that about many teams in MLS, especially at home, but I think Seattle is on the very, very short list of teams that you need to be um, ready to, to, to be reactive. Um, I think we've built up a team that can be proactive and should force our will most places in, in MLS, especially at home. But Seattle is one team where I think you need to you know, reevaluate your game plan um before you know halftime so 
All right. Anything else on on Heath or the game plan itself, or we can move on. We've spent a lot of time on on this, and I know we haven't spent a ton of time talking about Heath on this podcast in the last few weeks, which is good. And that's you know, right. switching it up. We're showing yeah, growth, but and- but clearly, this I I I walked I left walked home from this game and was just very very frustrated with everything that had happened. Um, I felt like I felt like if you had to miss this one, you picked a good one, MJ. Yeah, I. It was cold and windy too, which kind of sucked. I'm freezing. I'll give Heath credit for making that sub information switch at halftime, which is way earlier than he's made some other switches. And if this is a sign of like a new Heath of recognizing in the locker room at halftime, whether that's analyzing video, some analyst person who's not Heath comes to him, shows him stuff, whatever, whatever is changing. I hope that stays the same. I hope there's a a earlier recognition of this is what's not working this is what we need to change and hopefully the loons see some results from that that's all i'll say all right let's move on let's uh let's do our freddie adus um mj how about you start so my good freddie adu is uh bonky i thought when he came on there was immediate energy shift mm-hmm. and better attacking chances and it kind of like Seattle, whatever pace they were playing at the game at or whatever they were, however they were defending, they had to adapt. Your shitty Freddy do? My shitty Freddy dude is Will Trap. And this is this is tough because I do like that he laid into Dunlady. Um, I don't think Debassi needs to pile on and, and lay into him afterwards. Um, there's only no, so much a young player or old player can can take of teammates slashing into you. Um you know, if the captain says his words, that should be good enough for the rest of the team. No one else needs to say anything. Um, but hard disagree it, on that one, by the way. What? Hard disagree on that one. Fair enough. But if Trap is the leader and and the captain of this team, a lot to me, a lot of organizing the defense is on him. You know, a lot of like orchestrating how we keep possession offensively especially in the midfield is on him and i feel like both defensively and keeping possession in the midfield those things didn't happen this game again it's hard for me to say just watching highlights but um to me it's not so much the low hanging fruit the the players that we know aren't that good and didn't play that good to me it's like players that should play well that should be fucking incredible and that's what I expect from Trap every every week, and he, he had an off week. Um, so I, honestly, I think you are uh, biased by not seeing the full game. He got yeah. a, a yellow card in the tenth minute, so he had to play a little more uh, passively, I think. And and especially considering how um, yellow card happy this referee was, he definitely did not oh, want to get sent off. Referee. So yeah. he, yes, you, you're you're 100 right. He was, I mean, he was definitely ball watching on that on the on the Paolo, Paolo goal. I'm not sure if he gets to that ball, but he definitely could have had a better, at least made it a little harder for him. But I think he actually had a, I don't think he had a terrible game, honestly. Um, you know who had a terrible game? Abu Dunlady. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, my good friend to do is, is Joseph Rosales. He came on and was an absolute game changer for in the midfield. Um, he moved Dotson to the, to the right back position. Um, or no, Dotson stayed in the midfield in the 4-3-3 until Bongi came on. Then Dotson moved to the right back position. So I think Joseph Rosales, he got he finally got his first cap for Honduras. 
last week, um, which is fantastic. Um, he played a half, which is really great. And he's, you know, clearly he's done something. He's shown something in, in practice. I, I hope he gets more, more run out with, uh, with the team. And if they're playing a four, three, three with uh, Rosales trap and our, um, and Ariaga, that'd be fucking fun. I would love to, I would love to see that. So uh, Jess, we kind of, we kind of shared a, a shitty Freddie Adu, but who you have for, for your Freddie Adu's? Um, my good adieu is a uh, Saint Dane, Saint Claire. Uh, you know, only Coleman got him down. <laughs> really? I'm not, I'm trying not to blame Coleman because you guys said I shouldn't, but <laughs> I still kind of am. Anyway, and then I did not, from the minute I saw Dunlady was starting, you know, when they were like, Abu, Dunlady, right? I was like, wait, Dunlady? What the fuck? I didn't like what he did last match. How am I supposed to like what he's going to do now? Starting. And yes, yes, there was the whole crossbar incident, but like, damn it. I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, and then let's get to the, uh, the the best segment on the podcast, Jess's post-match hot or not review. Take it away, Jess. All right, all right, all right. I give this one some thought. So, uh, perfect seg, not Abu Dunlady. I didn't particularly care for his play last match, and I especially didn't like him starting for an encore performance. Hot, booing so loud, you're audible on the broadcast for viewers at home. That's me. <laughs> not Rudy Diaz's face. Particularly the leather-like complexion that I feel his face would feel like. <laughs> I highly recommend that everyone apply a generous layer of SPF, whatever. Hot. So I had a friend. They said they would come to the game with me. And they actually came to the game with me, which is like um, once in a blue moon. So super hot friends that don't flip um also extra credit points for attempting to do a little uh loud b shit talking uh i mean it was cute it was cute but then also friend not hot so like except for that own goal we would have tied right and i just wanted to say oh you sweet summer child, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Super duper hot, Saint Dane, Saint Clair. And finally, not, this is the one I'm sure you've all been waiting for. The hair on Kellen Rowe's head, Seattle Sounders, number 22. Not even my tween, not teen, tween nieces think your frosted tips look good and they're not even teenagers yet sounds good um okay well let's move on uh enough said about uh, minnesota united one let's talk about minnesota united two um they played on sunday yesterday mm-hmm. and they lost to sporks to uh two nothing at Allianz field uh mm-hmm. not gonna go through this game other than to say mateo bunbury uh scored the second sporks goal you may know that name he's the brother the younger brother of teal bunbury uh, and uh, a fellow Minnesotan, uh, one that got away. 
Uh, Ja'Cory Hayes, Nico Hansen, and Justin McMaster all started. Those are all, um, you know, first team guys. Hayes and Hansen uh, mm-hmm. were actually on the bench for for the Minnesota United game. Um, so I'm not. I'm guessing probably they didn't get in because they were expected to play in this game. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Um, official attendance attendance uh, was 461 people. Uh, John Marthaler was at the game. Um, we were chatting a little bit uh, on Twitter. Uh, and then um, he mentioned in his uh, post-match uh, recap that the first team coaching staff was there, a lot of the front office, and then players were, and, and a bunch of players, first team players were there heckling the referee, which was, uh, um, sounds, sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd, again, I'd go for that. Again, those games are all, uh, when they're at Allianz or at NSC, they're all $10 for season ticket holders, $15 uh, for general admission, and there are some, I think, reserve seating as well. Um, and then uh, just a one quote, and then MJ, I'll, I'll get to you. Uh, Knowles, the uh, the head coach for Minnesota United 2, said, we talked in this game about coming out and being more aggressive and starting on the front foot and being a bit more difficult to break down. And we didn't do that, not until the second half. And then already <laughs> you're chasing it. So that's the difficulty with this one. Between the two halves, second half, we were the much better team. And then you can see the second goal, that's always going to make it tough. Where have we almost, we've heard that quote for almost fucking verbatim. Yeah. I was like, wait, who said this? Yes. Uh, which, which, <laughs> which game that we got scored two on like one in the first half, one in the second game. Are we talking about we... it? Could have been. Yeah. It could have been Saturday. Could have been Sunday. Who the fuck knows? Uh, next match yeah. is Friday, <laughs> April 8th uh, in Salt Lake city against the real Monarchs. Uh, that's the our RSL uh, RSL's uh, next pro team. The game is at 6 p.m. Central Time, uh, and you can watch it on MLSNextPro.com if you want. So, uh, any other MNUFC2 stuff, MJ? I thought it was interesting after AZL Jackson did so well at the number 10 role in North Texas that they gave McMaster the start at number 10, who's shown that on the first team he can step in at left wing and showed on the, the second team he's a natural right wing and does great at that role and so they tried him out in the center, center midfield and i thought he looked really good um certainly they subbed in azl jackson and he did his azl jackson things but it's <laughs> nice seeing an attacking midfielder have a lot of versatility and to me look like he can dribble the ball and carry it through space and understand every part of that kind of attacking midfield. Yeah, they definitely need a, uh, a at least somewhat competent backup for um, Reynoso if he's ever down or injured or yeah. whatever. So um, Nick Master getting some, getting some reps there uh, certainly helps. So, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, one saloon. Two uh, one saloons uh, going on. Uh, First, Mohamed Saeed appreciation. He last we checked, he was with uh, EK Sirius in the top league. Now he has been, um, that contract was over. He signed a contract with uh, Trellis Borla um, from the Super Rotten, the Division Two team. Um, on Sunday, he scored a goal versus Utsikens, and uh, they win their season opener 1 nothing. He also scored a goal against uh, EK Sirius, his old team in the, the Svenska uh, Cupen. So uh, he's doing well. 
in Division Two. I wish him wish him the best. Uh, the other one saloon, uh, Miguel Ibarra, lands back in USL League One. Last I checked, uh, he was he, he was let go of uh, San Diego Loyal, where he's playing with Colin Martin, and uh, now he's at USL League One for Charlotte Independence, not to be confused with Clit FC. Oh, the, the, yeah. they are they are the lower division. I would buy a Clint Ibarra jersey. Yeah, well, you still can buy a Clint Independence uh, Ibarra kit if you want. Um, <laughs> they, your chances to see Miguel Ibarra in the Midwest, the Charlotte Independents come to Forward Madison Saturday, May twenty first at seven p.m. And then they come to Omaha Wednesday, May 25th, and Friday, July 1st. Uh, there are loon games, of course, on those days or around those days. The Wednesday, May 25th, being maybe the one where there isn't a loons game. The, May, right the, the, sat, the Saturday, May 21st game, there's a loons game on Sunday, the 22nd. So you could drive to Madison, uh, watch the game, and then uh, get in your car, drive back to uh, you know St. Paul, Either that night, or you can spend the night in Madison and then come back in the morning. And you can make you could you could do both um, the Madison game and the Loons game uh, on that weekend of the twenty first, twenty second. So there you go. Just FYI, I looked into it. I'm you know I'm not not considering it. Let's put it that way. So yeah, the twenty second they play. Uh, well, it's, it's actually in Dallas, so you don't even need to come back. You could well, you could probably watch that game somewhere in in Wisconsin. So, but yeah, Minnesota plays at Dallas uh, at six p.m. on the twenty second. So you can leave at fucking noon. You could do brunch in Madison if you wanted to, and then uh, and then drive back to Minnesota and catch the game with uh, the Minnesota game at the Blackheart. So um, that Miguel Ibarra might be doable on the twenty first. The twenty fifth, um, there is no Minnesota United game, and then Minnesota game. Uh, that 4th of July weekend is actually on the 2nd, is on Saturday the 2nd. It's a home game against RSL. So Nebraska and Omaha is a little further than Madison. So, But you could theoretically see all three of Miguel Bar's games and not miss a Minnesota United game if you wanted to. So FYI. Listen, I'm a fan. I'm I'm not a fangirl. If you, but if here's the thing, if you, if you, especially the Omaha games, I mean, Madison, you might, I'm sure he'll get a lot of people who will go from, from the cities. Um, but if you go to one of those Omaha games and you let him know on Twitter, you might be able to get his jersey after the game. Just, I'm just saying. I, there, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many Omaha, how many uh, Loons fans are in Omaha right now. So, well, however many there are, get out of my fucking way. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll when think we come, about oh, it. Oh, sorry, MJ. There's one more, one more thing in here. Jess, you have a, you have a one saloon. I have a surprise one saloon. Whose birthday is it? Today, uh, current loon or once a loon? Once a loon. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Christian Ramirez. Yeah. There you go. Good job, yeah, MJ. Happy birthday. Just, yes. Happy birthday, Christian. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk uh, Open Cup, uh, some Gopher <laughs> soccer, and uh, talk about the upcoming uh, uh, Austin FC Minnesota United match as well as talk a little bit about World Cup. So we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who 
nothing at all. All right, and we're back. Um, we are going to jump into some local soccer now very quickly. Uh, U.S. Open Cup continues uh, this week in spite of Minneapolis City, uh, unfortunately getting uh, losing to Des Moines Menace a couple weeks ago. Um, there is still some uh, uh, local flavor for folks who are interested in uh, following the League Cup, or Open Cup, sorry. MJ, what we got? Starting tonight, actually. U.S. Open Cup Midwest Mumblethon edition. Tuesday, April 5th, 6.30 p.m. Central, Detroit City FC in the USL Championship now. USL Championship. They play the Michigan Stars FC, who are in NISA. This is the, this is the NISA crosstown rivalry that was supposed to happen that never happened. Because when Michigan Stars chose to join NISA, they were then postponed in their ability to join due to lots of COVID issues. And some of that was not just like on the team they had COVID. It was like, you know, the league is shut down. We're not starting playing. Right. And so by the time that the Michigan Stars finally get to play a Detroit-based team in NISA, Detroit City has moved to USL. <laughs> They're in a different league. So, uh, but never fear, the US Open Cup compensating for this, giving you that rivalry. Uh, for all you Detroiters out there. Also Tuesday, April 5th, Union Omaha, USL League One plays Des Moines Menace in League Two. This will be the USL League One top team versus the, they won the championship last year versus the Des Moines Menace, they won the League Two championship last year. Should be good, except that Union Omaha, I believe, can play their players. So um, I'm looking forward to this game. And then Wednesday, April 6th, 7 p.m., Ford Madison play Cleveland of the NPSL. Cleveland was the one who beat Minneapolis City in the NPSL championships last year. And Ford Madison had a really great uh, <clears throat> result down in Chattanooga um, over the weekend, too, getting a late goal to get a draw against the Chattanooga Red Wolves. So, um, yeah. Uh, all these games, I think, are on ESPN Plus. So if you have ESPN Plus, you should be able to watch uh, Open Cup games. So check them out. Watch those Midwest games. Yep. Uh, all right, go for soccer. We have some. Uh, there was a match last weekend, and we have some free matches coming up at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium this weekend. This weekend, the Gophers went down to Creighton, where they drew one-one. They played three thirty-minute periods, just to give the coaching staff more time to interject and change up things or try new things so there were there were two breaks not just one for the first two periods minnesota was leading one nothing and they didn't even bring a full squad down they had some injury issues some people who couldn't make the trip um and then uh that third period was dominated by by creighton so whatever personnel changes or formation changes or tactical things they switched up um or we just got tired and kind of ran out of subs um, but yeah, Creighton looked really good and they score a goal to tie it 1-1. Uh, the goal for the Gophers came from, uh, surprise, surprise, Kenneth Beisman with a banger from about 20 plus yards out right to the upper right corner. This weekend, come watch your Gophers Saturday, April 9th, Elizabeth Lider, Robbie Stadium, two games, 12 p.m. versus NDSU, 1 p.m. versus University of St. Thomas. They're free. Come watch local women's soccer for free all right very good 
Uh, all right. And if you haven't been to the uh, Elizabeth Lau Robbie Stadium, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very nice pitch and it's, you know, super close uh, on the St. Paul campus side, just, uh, just off of uh, Larpenter and uh, Cleveland. So um, plenty of parking and yeah, should be fun. Uh, Sunday or sorry, also on Saturday, um, Minnesota Aurora is doing their Jersey reveal uh, at the MO at the mall of America in the rotunda. Uh, I think it's called like Huntington Bank Rotunda or something now. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's on, that's happening from 11 to 1. Uh, there's going to be games for kids, uh, DJ, uh, uh, there's an MC. I just saw an email today. I forgot to write down any of the, of the deets on there. Uh, but there'll be stuff going on um, basically for, for a couple hours. The jerseys um, will be available for sale uh, in person at uh, the Mall of America on Saturday and then, the, and then if you can't make it to the Mall of America, they're going to stream everything live as well, I believe, on their website. And then shirts will be available um, on the website, I think, immediately after the event is done. So probably around a little after one, uh, shirts will go live on the website if you want to buy a jersey. So um, definitely check those out. I, you know, I've only seen the, the badge. The badge is fucking amazing. Um, I can only imagine the shirts are going to be really great, too. So definitely, definitely check those out. And let's buy a bunch of Minnesota Aurora shit. Yeah, merch. So one way or another, Saturday, late morning, early afternoon, you should be supporting local Minnesota women. Soccer. Indeed. One way, one way or another. Indeed, 100%. Uh, all right, let's talk about the upcoming Minnesota United match uh, against the Austin Aztecs down in Austin. Uh, Sunday, April 10th is when the game kicks off at 6.30 p.m. Uh, it's down in Austin. Uh, we don't have a line for this game yet, which is a little strange, but, you know, um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about some of the players, um, coaches, people that we should be looking out for. Uh, I'll start with their coach, Josh Wolf, a uh, former U.S. men's national team player, um, former U.S. men's youth national team manager. Uh, he is, uh, he took over Austin before, well before the, the team, pretty much right after the team was announced, uh, they hired him as the manager. Um, he's been involved with the organization for quite some time. He's really put a stamp on the team. This team was not, uh, they were not great last year, but they weren't terrible. Um, they beat us the first time we played them. They beat us up in Minnesota, as, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a they're, they have a, a similar vibe in their, their home stadium. They have a, a pretty good home field advantage. Uh, and if you ever watch games against Austin or any like Austin games, um, when they score goals, it's pretty, it's pretty freaking cool. So uh, he has managed to uh, kind of turn this team around there. They're currently sitting tied with us for third place uh, in the Western conference. Although technically we are sitting at eighth based on goal differential they're above us. So this is going to be a, you know, another good test for, for Minnesota. Uh, MJ, who else should we be looking out for? They have a center back, uh, Julio Cascante. The last time he got called up for Costa Rica was the gold cup. So he's not one of Costa Rican's top center backs, but he's a pretty good center back. Uh, has experience at Saprissa and Portland Timbers. And, you know, he's, also scored a goal already this year. So we don't need to only look for him on the defensive end. Not that we need to avoid him, but he's just, he's a good center back, but um, he'll come up on set pieces too. Yeah. He also had an assist for uh, Max Yerudi um, in the uh, match against San Jose recently. So Cascante or no, not Max Yerudi. No, sorry. Never mind. My bad. 
Sebastian, Sebastian Drusi, um, is the other, he's a forward, um, plays, you know, he's been, he scored a goal. He scored the goal. Drusi scored the goal that Cascante assisted on, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's Um, 10. Argentinian 10. We have our Argentinian 10. Yeah. I'll take our Argentinian 10 over him. Um, Oh no, Maxi. Yeah. Maxi Rudy did. Cascante did, uh, uh, give the assist to Maxi Rudy, who scored against San Jose. Who, Maxi Rudy is their is their nine. Um, he came off uh, in the second half of that uh, San Jose game um, uh, last week. So, um, so yeah, I say Rudy and and uh, Drisi are uh, two to look out for 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 Austin. They normally set up in a um, in a four two three one, very similar to Minnesota United. Uh, they did end that game against San Jose in a uh, a four one four one with uh, Philippe uh, Martinez uh, up top, and Juicy again sitting so more in that in that ten role. Uh, who else, MJ? They have a very talented number eight uh, attacking uh, center mid Alex Ring. A lot of their midfield progression flows through him. We should be aware he is. You know, every time on the pitch, we should just know where he is. We don't have to like assign trap to man mark him or anything like that. He's not that dangerous. Just, he's gonna be that outlet when they're trying to play out the back and when they're trying to progress it up the field and into the attacking third. Yeah, and then and we uh, know my one true love, Mr. Finley is now playing for them. Has Finley been starting for them? Uh, he did start the last game against San Jose uh, in the 4-2-3-1, um, sort of opposite Diego Fagundes with Drusi as the 10. Um, so, yes, he has been playing. Uh, I don't think he scored any goals yet for them this this, this season, but he definitely um, – I mean, he definitely – he wasn't going to get – I don't think he was going to get as many opportunities to start with Minnesota United. Um, so, I think he definitely, when that was sort of made – clear to him um that's why he kind of decided to not sign a new contract and move on so who can blame Uh, him uh, he has two starts this year two starts five games played so he's playing every game not necessarily starting every game um the two times he was starts he was started he he subbed off he was subbed off you know yeah not surprising Oh, he did score two goals in the uh, their beatdown of of uh, Miami in preseason, uh, right? No, no, that was, no, that was like one of their first two games. It was oh, their it second was. Ga- second game of the season. Yeah, um, they opened the season with a five nothing win versus Miami or Cincinnati, and then five one versus uh, uh, Austin. He came on as a sub and scored it, scored two goals. Um, one of the worst defenses in the league. <laughs> yeah, he did. He has started the last two games for Austin, so. Um, my guess is he's probably worked himself into a starting position. So I would definitely not surprise me to see him starting against us. Yeah, uh, I would on... imagine he would want to. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the other um, sort of winger in that uh, that four two three one is Diego Fagundes, um, designated player, uh, also um, really really good, uh, can score goals. Austin is a weird team. Um, they can score goals. Uh, They've mostly scored them against bad teams. Uh, if you look at their at their game log, um, I mean San Jose is a bad team. They scored two. Uh, they gave up two in in about a five minute stretch uh, to give up uh, to drop two points in that one. But they also scored ten goals against the likes of Cincinnati and Miami. So 
I definitely think this is a team that Minnesota should um, perform well against. Uh, but again, we lost to them last year. So who the hell knows? So uh, any thoughts on how Minnesota United should play them? Um, I mean, I th clearly think we should, we'll probably run out our four, two, three, one again, although based on once, you know, we sort of switch over to that four, three, three, I think we looked a lot better. Um, and maybe with the players that we have worth, uh, worth taking, worth starting the match with, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily see Adrian Heath uh, being that radical. Yeah, I, I see him using the four three three as something to change it up, not something to start off with. So I agree, David. And my whole thing on how we should play them is better than we did last year when they came up here. <laughs> well, we beat them twice last year too. Yes. Yeah, we did have two wins, um, one down there and one up here. But uh, yeah, they kind of punched us in the mouth in that uh, – uh, opening stretch of, of matches where we, you know, couldn't seem to yeah, buy goals. Yeah, wasn't that our home opener last year? I can't remember if it was the home opener or it was the second game, but it was definitely, it was very early in the season. It was sort of that, yeah, that It was one of stretch. the first four we lost. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. So, who's going to win? Jess, I'll start with you. mistake of picking the Loons last time. I'm going to okay. make the same mistake this time. I say the Loons win. It's close. It's like... One goal win, maybe like two one. I think we're going to score multiple goals. I somehow think we will. <laughs> you know, you know, we've only scored one goal every game this season, so. Yeah, I know. Okay, Jess, who do you got? Um, I'm going to say. I mean, I want to win, but I feel like I don't feel comfortable predicting a win after this game at all. Like this last match, I don't care who we're playing next. I feel like a draw is welcome. Okay. So well, I'm I say 1-1. One, one. Okay. I'm going to go 1-0 uh, Minnesota United. Uh, I think we are on track to score 34 goals this year. I think we're going to score 34 goals this year. So um, <laughs> we'll see. I think, I think honestly, if, um, if we can play – uh, Lauren, like it sounds like Metnir and uh, potentially Fragapani are going to be available for this game. If Fragapani is not available for this game, it, it seems like Bongi can at least start the game and go 60 65 minutes, um, and not have Dunladi on the left. Uh, maybe Fragapani gets the final, you know, final 30 minutes of the game. Um, Kamar, I think I like Kamar Lawrence, I really hope he gets a start, um, as the left back, and that puts Debasi and Boxall back in their um, preferred center back positions. And they said, it sounds like Romain Metnir also, according to Heath, at least in the, in the quotes that I, I had so to read. Best case scenario, super optimistic. When he says like Metnir should be ready to come to, come play this weekend, I'm taking that with a grain of salt. But I mean, I am too. I'm hoping for the best, right? And then if, I mean, if I really if, miss him. If nothing else, um, Dotson can, can definitely step in and, and he's a capable He's a, he's a capable deputy right back. He's not going to be the best right back in, in MLS, but he definitely can play the position if he needs to. Um, I, I'm going to have faith that Metnir is finally, you know, back and in, in, in healthy, um, that Kamar Lawrence gets to start on the left, uh, that we're able to, if we, you know, if things are not, you know, go tits up or whatever, they were able to switch <laughs> to a 4-3-3 um, with Rosales bringing on Rosales. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this game, but I think, again, I'm just going to predict one nothing victories uh, or losses until, um, or you know, one nothing victories or two one losses. I just really want us to score 34 goals this season. So uh, that's my prediction. 
Okay, let's let's jump into uh, some world soccer stuff uh, pretty quickly here. Don't have to spend too much time on it. Uh, U.S. qualified for the World Cup by losing to Costa Rica, losing to Costa Rica B team, uh, two to nothing. Uh, they sat pretty much all the guys who run yellow cards, including our, our boy Frankie Calvo. Um, they finished. They Who's finished, boy? Uh, Not my boy. Uh, MJ's boy, or no? Uh, yeah, um, uh, a dude's boy, uh, uh, Frankie Calvo. Uh, Costa Rica B team, uh, USA team, basically the same team they ran out against at the Azteca. Uh, hoping, I think they really wanted to win. To they've never won in Costa Rica uh, in the World Cup qualifying. I don't think they've ever won in, in Costa Rica, be it a friendly or World Cup qualifying. So didn't matter. They qualified in this third spot. Um, Costa Rica plays New Zealand, uh, which is you know Michael Boxel's team in June mm-hmm. for a spot at the uh, World Cup uh, in Qatar in November. Uh, okay, so then we jump to the World Cup draw, which happened on Friday. The U.S. was in pot two. South Korea was in pot three. Um, and the draw shook out uh, thusly. Uh, in, in U.S. ended up in group two, in group B with England, uh, Iran, and the winner of the European playoff spot, which is going to be um, Wales versus the winner of the uh, match between Scotland and the Ukraine. Uh, heard some stuff today that it sounds like Ukraine's not going to be ready or able to play that game in june so there's talk mm-hmm. of that of that getting pushed even further um just because the ukrainian players have not played since uh you know motherfucking Putin yeah. uh invaded their country um so so we're, there's lots of stuff is up in the air on that um there's you know there's been rumblings that you know uefa is hoping that ukraine will just um uh take themselves out of the tournament and then wales and scotland can play um, but there's not a lot of time. There's only actually two international windows between now and um, World Cup starting in November for them to play what amounts to at least two games. So um, there is that. Uh, we should say we're really Rodrigo- gonna like they're being invaded and they want them to like kowtow. Like it seems like the least likely thing that I would do if I were on the Ukrainian national footy team. I'd be like, oh, fuck no, you're going to give me this game because, like, we're, we'll take you and Putin and everybody like, who looks like you. <laughs> they can't play soccer. A lot of them are actually fighting right now. So they haven't been able to train. Uh, Scott, to Scotland's credit, Scotland has said, listen, you take as much time as you need. Like, you can, if you want to bring players here to train, you can train here. Um, Scotland and, and, Wales in Scotland have been very, in UEFA have been very good about this. Like they're trying to be as accommodating as possible. Um, mm. But at some point you have to, like, you have to play the game. Whether Ukraine can actually play or not is sort of kind of up for debate. Um, not because they shouldn't be able to, but right. because can they physically do it? That's, I think that is the, that's the big concern for, for, you know, UEFA right now. So and- with all the pain of running this World Cup in the middle of club season for much of the world, they're not going to push the World Cup back. Yeah. That, that you, you have no leeway on when games start in November. And I'm sure someone can tell me how many weeks or months you need leading up for a FA um, and their staff and media and what else not to plan on that this country is going to actually be in the World Cup. But yeah, I mean, you need, they would like to know that months in advance, not weeks. 
Yeah, you need hotels. Well, they also like to camp. not be being invaded, but they don't have a choice. Yeah, that's unfortunately that. Yes, you're you're right, Jess. Um, and <laughs> should we be should we be playing this World Cup in fucking Qatar at this point? Anyways, no. Um, oh. This this game should have been these games should have been, been been have been played in March, but because of COVID, like there's just like a thousand different factors that have like totally fucked up this whole situation. So um, they made a draw. They did a draw when they didn't know three which three of the teams would be, which is really fucking crazy. So um, that's how crazy it is. Uh, so the USA, as I mentioned, ended up in Group B with England, Iran, and whoever wins that UEFA playoff. Um, the they did verify the times, uh, and so the US will be playing uh, the winner of the Euro qualifier on Monday, November twenty first at one p.m. Central Time. Uh, we play England on Friday, November twenty fifth. That is the day after Thanksgiving. Black uh, Friday, maybe at one p.m. I'm calling it Red, White, and Blue Friday. MJ, love it. Um, Red, White, and Blue Friday. I'm starting. I'm starting a, uh, a a petition to change it to Red, White, and Blue Friday for one one year. Uh, that game is also at 1 p.m. Uh, and then they play uh, Iran uh, on Tuesday, November 29th. Uh, I believe that game is at 11 a.m. No, that game is also, I think, at 1 p.m. Um, Central Time. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, all those games are going to be, you know, in not four o'clock in the morning because there are some four o'clock in the morning games. So, uh, and then South Korea ended up in Group H. Uh, with Portugal, Uruguay, and Ghana. And you guys get uh, Uruguay on Thanksgiving Day, MJ, at 8 a.m. in the morning. Which uh, is a day that is not, is a holiday that's not celebrated in Uruguay or Korea. Yeah. Also, I feel like 8 a.m. is a pretty good compromise for a lot of these uh, other countries. Like, 8 a.m., that's probably going to be late morning Uruguay, and it's going to be evening or Korea, that's a good compromise. Yeah. Um, Ghana well, should be early afternoon for Ghana. Yeah. Thanksgiving like, is Thanksgiving is also not celebrated in uh, Portugal or Ghana either, FYI. So yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so you guys get Ghana on Monday, November 28th at 8 a.m. as well. Um, and then Portugal on Friday, December 2nd uh, at 10 a.m. So um, that is a that's a tough, that's a tough ass group, man. But South yeah, Korea's no, pretty good. Uh, it is a very tough group. And uh, the U.S. has a record of playing really well against Portugal in the World Cup. You know, amazingly so. <laughs> against what you would guess on paper or betting book-wise. South Korea does not have that record against Portugal, sadly. Um, but they have a better record against Ghana than the U.S. does. So, That's also true. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a. I don't see how Korea gets out of this group. I consider all the other three teams, Portugal, Ghana, and Uruguay, to be better, better teams or more likely to get through. But it'll be fun. Weird shit can happen. You know, they have a lot more players playing in Europe than uh, Sun Hyung Min, and you know, than they've had before. So like they they could have a quality team and a, and some good tactics, and who knows what could happen. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so not, I mean, I don't think there's um, a particular group of death uh, in group of death in uh, this draw. Uh, they changed up the draw last time, um, and they basically seeded teams based on, or in the pots, they put teams based on their their uh, FIFA World Cup ranking. I love the new seeding, which is not like 
the FIFA World Cup uh, ranking is like not a perfect science. Um, there no, is like horrible, Me- but- Mexico jumped up from like 12th to 9th, even though they finished second in their, you know, in CONCACAF. So it's, it's an imperfect science, but it does make for more well-rounded groups. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I you know, the uh, group B with England, Iran, USA, and then whoever wins that Euro playoff, if it's Wales, Wales is the 18th ranked team in the world right now. Um, yeah. That's a pretty fucking tough group. If it's, you know, Scotland, I think the Scotland's in the twenties and the Ukraine, I think is in also in the twenties. So that's a tough group. Uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned the your group uh, MJ with uh, uh, Portugal, Ghana, and Uruguay. Um, Uruguay's on a uh, they're sort of on the edge of their edge of their golden generation, but they still have Luis Suarez who can score goals. Um, the uh, Spain, Germany, uh, Japan group uh, with either probably Costa Rica, also a tough ass group with Kay- I mean Kaylor Navas can stand on his head and and steal games himself. Um, of course, just gets a goal. A lot of good goalkeepers in that group. Yes, exactly. So, Most I think there's, I think there's some tougher groups. I don't think so. I think there's a group of death. Um, I think all these groups are, you know, pretty tough. Uh, you know, with the maybe the exception of Group A, um, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. I think the Netherlands are looking at that group, um, thinking that's a, a pretty good draw for them. Senegal is tough. A, my goodness, France got a gift. Yeah. France, uh, and then probably Peru, um, uh, Denmark, who's also tough, and then Tunisia, um, not uh, not the class of the of the tournament. So, uh, I personally think Group G is the hardest: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Um, I mean, I don't know other than Brazil. You know, all three of the other teams could go through. Yeah, for sure. And we should also mention Mexico uh, got drawn on into group with Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and Poland. So um, here's a big question: yeah. Do Mexico does Mexico go through? You know, that's a that's a good one. Um, they should, I I would think, but you uh, know, Robert 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 Lewandowski can yeah. can do some stuff. Poland's got some good soccer players. Uh, Argentina, you gotta think this is probably Leo Messi's um last shot at a world cup uh yeah i think this is maybe robert Lewandowski's last shot at making a run in the in the world cup too um you know he's 33 so he'll be 37 by you know the next time when it's hosted here so uh so yeah i I mean they should based on based on seating they should uh will they that's a whole other question so and there's there's some uh Something's rotten in uh, in Mexico right now in terms of their their national team. So, really, what's going on? Yeah, they're they're not they're not a big fan of, of Tata Martina. Um, they're uh, the manager for Mexico, who used to manage Atlanta United and, and Argentina. Actually, as a matter of fact, he was the Argentinian national coach for for a long time. And mm-hmm. their their players are just they're, you know they're underperforming. Um, basically, they drew with you know drew with the U.S. at the at the Azteca. Um, Barely beat, uh, was it El Salvador uh, at the the last match of the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying um, in the Azteca? So, all right, let's move on. Uh, two more things, 2022-2023 CONCACAF Nations League draw took place this evening, actually, as a matter of fact. Um, who were our guest ball drawers and uh, what ended up happening, MJ? We had three gas ball massagers from CONCACAF 
uh, a very CONCACAFI selection of ball massagers, I must say. Uh, Monty Leverock from Bermuda, Paul Cesar Wanchope, the attacking Costa Rican player that Abila, Wanchope Abila, who used to play for the Minnesota United, is, is, his nickname is taken from. He's, he was named after that guy. Um, used to play for the Chicago Fire. And then uh, Mexican national, Oribe Peralta, uh, played for just about every team. I shouldn't say every team. Played for Monterrey, played for Lyon, uh, Club America, Chivas. Do you know where Oribe Peralta got his start, David? A team you used to cheer for. Lyon? Or no, um, uh, Morelia. Yeah. He, yeah. he started his career uh, way back uh, with Morelia. Anyway, so – those were the three ball massagers. If you've never seen a draw like this before, the the players put their hand in a fishbowl or a birdcage or whatever, then they swirl the balls around in a circle. Um, I'm not saying as a hetero that I was like really, really moved, but it was stirring. Wait, what? No, the balls. They're getting stirred. Why? Because inside the balls are names of teams. Oh. They, they drop. They. It's like an egg, right? It's like the Easter egg. Oh. Yeah, but it, it's a seasonal soccer ball. You pull. You you know you move the balls around in a nice gentle circle, circular motion. Uh huh. You grab one, right? You gotta. Uh-huh. You gotta crack. This it. is like the duck pond at at the school fair. Yeah. I got it. Anywho, uh, in League A, which we will only talk about the. League B and League C, the the lesser teams in CONCACAF, we won't bother talking about. On this pod, Group A is uh, Mexico, Jamaica, Suriname. Group B, Costa Rica, Panama, Martinique. Canada, Honduras, and Curaçao. Caraco. And Curaçao. And is that how you say it? Yeah. Yes. Curaçao. Yeah. Really? There's a Cidia. You know, like you don't say Francis, you say Francais. Yeah. You say Francais because there's the Cidia on the C. It's the same thing. Curacao. Okay. Um, and Group D is uh, United States, El Salvador, and Granada. Um, David, any thoughts on this draw? These uh, <clears throat> I find it very convenient that United States and Mexico are on opposite sides of the draw. So um, weird that how that happened. Um, I mean, we got U.S. got a got a very uh, a very favorable draw here. Yes, uh, like not getting Jamaica, um, Panama, and, and Panama are are good. El Salvador and Honduras are probably the two weaker teams in the in the second pot there. And then um, of the teams of the Granada is probably the weakest team of the teams that were in that sort of like pot three or whatever. So um, you know, we do get Canada in the semifinals more than likely. And, uh, but yeah, so League of Nations, you know, whatever it's or Na- Nations League, not League of Nations. Nations yeah, League. the League of Nations is a different thing. Yeah, League of Shadows, um, League of Extraordinary <laughs> Gentlemen, whatever. The, Na- the CONCACAF League of Extraordinary Gentlemen draw. Um, <laughs> congratulations. All right, last and final thing, the Zellberg Derby is taking place this weekend, 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. Um, if you want to come watch my wife not talk to me for the rest of the week uh, after Liverpool beats Man City, um, that would be uh, come to the Black Card at ten thirty. Uh, Liverpool plays. Be there? I would. I assume so. We normally try to 
uh, both attend these matches. Um, uh, it's in it's at the Eddie Had, so it is in Manchester. Uh, it seems Drew, I think, won one earlier in the season. So uh, this is basically, basically whoever wins this game. I mean, Liverpool have a much more difficult run in. Um, they still have to play Tottenham, Man U, Everton. Um, City has a much easier draw or a much easier run in. Um, but if Liverpool wins this game, they are in, you know, they control their destiny at that point. To, and so does Man City. If Man City wins this game, they control their destiny to win the Premier League. So should be a hell of a week uh, for Liverpool and, and Manchester City soccer. So if you want to come hang out with us, uh, meet my lovely wife uh, on Sunday, 10.30 a.m. at the Blackheart. All right. When do you want to go? Who wants? Exactly. Um, they have breakfast pizza back at the Blackheart, by the way. The breakfast pizza oh, is but- back. So that, that is music to my ears. Yeah, no, it's really fucking good, Jess. If you haven't had a breakfast pizza, I have there. not. I have They're not. They're amazing. It's a Heggie's breakfast pizza. They're back at the Black Heart. So scrambled eggs Our, and bacon. Oh, it's so yeah. Good. Gravy, sausage. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it really and it's, a, and it's and it, yeah gravy instead of like sauce. And it's like a it's a a bigger one, so it's a fourteen inch pizza. So it's like oh yeah, it's perfect. Um, all right, it's that'll perfect. do it. <laughs> That'll do it for us. Uh, please rate and review our podcast wherever you get the podcast. Uh, if you want to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash the Daves I know. Uh, I'm at TD or at TD KMN on Twitter is the uh, is the, the podcast at Texas Zeller. Uh, MJ is at MJ Matsui and Jess is at Jessica 1440839 We have been the Daves You Know. This is the Daves I knew. Alright, see y'all next week. Thanks, in agreement now, but we have got to try and work it out. Cause we both know we can't do nothing at all. Oh, 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 uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing. Do it. We, 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 do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. Uh, we, we, we do our thing, son. Uh, son, son.